our understanding of a person of peace is we can't go out and find them. We can't look at them and say, ah, that's a person of peace. Mm. Uh, a person of peace doesn't even know they're a person of peace, but the Holy Spirit's already working with them. They're already uncomfortable in their spiritual life. They're uncomfortable in maybe their relationship with their religion. And all of a sudden they meet a person who has all the dimensions of spiritual life that they want. And then there's a connection that happens. Mm. So it's not as much about finding the person of peace. It's about letting the person of peace discover you by being conspicuously spiritual, us being conspicuously spiritual. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple makers. Hello, and welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. So I'm, I'm Beck Ewing here today. I'm with David Watson. Hey, David, how are you doing today? Doing fine, Becca. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there, as I tell all my friends. <laughs> uh, but hey, we're, we ha- I'm excited about the topic we're going to be talking about today. And it has to be on the, the, per- the topic of persons of peace. But I think that for you, David, you had some, some things you wanted to, to first lay the groundwork on when it comes to persons of peace. Yeah, I'm probably the first missionary that ever tried to incorporate the person of peace model. But uh, the original thought of person of peace came from Tom Wolf, who's a pastor in California that I met, goodness, almost 30 years ago, I guess, maybe a little over 30 years ago. And, and Tom said, have you ever thought about this person of peace stuff that Jesus talks about? And I said, no, I haven't. But he started me thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I got into the work in India and began to, to say, I don't know anyone. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who I, you know, I don't know who's safe to talk to because there are people that if you tell them things, you'll end up in front of the secret police. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole understanding of the person of peace model was a, was a four-year struggle for me. It wasn't, it wasn't an overnight thing that just blossomed, and, and I had this perfect idea of how it was going to work. Right. It was actually a, a, quite a long struggle to get to a place of person of peace. The problem with the person of peace model is it has become iconic. It has become uh, a panacea. It has become uh, a single way that people think they should start churches. But, but, but that's a myth. Uh, most of your churches will not start with a person of peace unless you're strictly a cross-cultural worker starting in a place you know no one in. Mm. And, and that's, that's the understanding you have to realize is you start with your natural relationships and you exhaust all your natural relationships before you move to meeting new people and basically trying to let them discover, are you the right person for them to relate to in spiritual matters? And, and that's totally on their side. So our, our understanding of a person of peace is we can't go out and find them. We can't look at them and say, ah, that's a person of peace. Mm. Uh, a person of peace doesn't even know they're a person of peace, 
but the Holy Spirit's already working with them. They're already uncomfortable in their spiritual life. They're uncomfortable in maybe their relationship with their religion. And all of a sudden they meet a person who has all the dimensions of spiritual life that they want. And then there's a connection that happens. So it's not as much about finding the person of peace. It's about letting the person of peace discover you by being conspicuously spiritual, us being conspicuously spiritual mm-hmm. and talking to people about spiritual matters and being spiritual and, and being uh, one who obeys all the commands of Christ, because that puts you in a totally different category than any other person they've ever met before. Okay, David, you just said a lot of great stuff right there. Let's start, um, unpack some of that. You said that, first off, and this is huge, probably a lot of people are really surprised by hearing that initial part of saying, wait a minute, so I was told that in order to have a disciple-making movement, I had to find this person to peace in order to get it started. So you're telling me I need to start with people I already know, like my friends, coworkers, you know, people around my neighborhood that I know, that's where I need to start? No, actually, I want you to start with your family. Oh, there you go. From the beginning. Start with your family. And then from your family, you're moving out to friends and neighbors and coworkers and other people that you know. But you start with the people you're most concerned about entering the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not where you're starting, then what does that say about your love for your family? What does that say about your, your love for your neighbors or your love for your best friends? I mean, all of those people are where, you, where you're going to start. And you might say, well, they're already Christians. Well, they may be attending a cultural Christian service or church, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're committed Christians. Mm. And what we're looking at is, is bringing people out of an understanding that if I go to church regularly and give my money and volunteer occasionally and don't cause ways, I'm a good Christian. Mm-hmm. I have no concern about anyone being a good Christian because that's a fable also. Yes. Uh, and we, we've got to come back to an understanding that if we're going to move the gospel, it starts out with those near to us and we plan for those far from us. So okay. we're learning the process by working with people near to us, whether they're family, friends, neighbors. And, and, and then when you, when you run out of that, you're starting to build build relationships, meeting new people, and moving that process further and further out from your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. We kind of flip it upside down. The hardest people we have to talk about spiritual matters is our, is our family because they've seen us at our worst of times. Mm-hmm. For our whole life, they've seen our worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you're saying, well, you know, I really don't want to talk spiritual matters with my family. Mm-hmm. And yet you have to. I mean, if, you, if you're not concerned about your family, how can you be concerned about a stranger? Right, right. And that's, that's where we have to start. And we have to understand that, that, that our spiritual walk starts where we are, not where we want to be. And the thing is, I think a lot of people are sitting there and they're assuming, well, the people, maybe not their family, maybe their family are Christians and everything. But, you know, the people that other people around me, like some of my coworkers, some of the people that I know in my neighborhood, you know, or something that, that don't know Jesus and stuff like that, they don't, they're, they're not interested in God. And so therefore that's why I have to go out and, and do that. And, and the thing is, is I feel like the way that we have lived our lives and how we have not really been conspicuously spiritual, that we have not actually said, you know, had deep conversations with people that 
how can we know that already in some regards? And so maybe that's not even true. Uh, and we have to actually take those steps to see if they really aren't intru- you know, actually you know, um, interested in God or not. Well, and, and the reality is, is all families, all relationships have avoidance mechanisms. And so if you've had a, if you've had a heated discussion over religion, then that's put into the spiritual category when religion and spiritual are two different things. Mm-hmm. And you say, look, I, I'm not asking you to join my religion. I, you're, you're my friend. You're my family. I want you to know where I am spiritually. Mm. I want you to know what I'm struggling with, what I'm learning, what I'm, what I'm discovering. All these things are a part of my spiritual life. And, and going to church or going to a religious event is a very small piece of that or should mm-hmm. be a very small piece of that. If your identity is I go to such and such a church, you're probably having trouble with your spiritual life because our identity is not in our church. It's in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and our, our relationship with God is through Christ. The Holy Spirit is indwelling us if we've received Christ. And all of these things are pushing us into new places of how do we relate to God? How do we become more like God? How do we become more acceptable to those around us when we are definitely involved in a deep relationship with God that is very off-putting to some people because they don't understand it? Moreover, they may not want it. And so we're, we're dealing with family members that are in that category. We're dealing with family and friends, that other family and friends that are in that category, in-laws, outlaws, whatever they're called in your, in your <laughs> circle. But we're, we're having to deal with all of these relationships. And, and the reality is that when people sit down, I sit down with them and start training them. I said, look, the first thing I want you to do is, is write down all your family members' names that you relate to and have talked to in the last six months. Mm-hmm. I want you to get all of them down. Then I want you to write down the rest of them that you know that you haven't talked to in the last six months. And why haven't you? Mm-hmm. And those are, those are the things that you start working through is that you want those family relationships to be first on the list. And then you want close friends. And often our friends are actually closer to us than our family members because we can't choose our family. We can choose our friends. And those are, those are the things we, we have to work through. You know, I think that a lot of people, they, they, they're attracted to wanting to find persons of peace because it's hard work to try to invest in the people around us to see if they want to be able to come to know God. That's harder. It's, it's it, in their minds. In their minds, it's harder to try yeah. to get to know my neighbors and my thing when I should just be able to go out there in a prayer walk and find somebody off the street who apparently immediately wants to know Jesus. Yeah. And that, that's a silver bullet mentality and there are no silver bullets. There, there's nothing that's going to just happen uh, incredibly fast. Now it does. I, I mean, I've, I have fallen into relationships that ended up seeing entire cities come to Christ, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but those, I, I mean, I literally, I just stumbled into them. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't anything else. And then I've made extensive plans for some areas and knocked my head against it for two years and see no results. And that's the reason Christ said, if you don't find the person of peace, shake the dust off your feet, move on, move on. And, and we have a hard time. We've got friends there now. We, we don't want to move on. We want those friends that we've made to become followers of Christ in the same way we are. And sometimes we have to abandon that. And that's, that's the other thing about the person of peace model 
is not just about finding people, coming friends with them. It's about a walking away from them if they're not receiving Christ. You need to move on. Mm-hmm. Your responsibility is to move the gospel into new places, not to camp in one place and hope everyone will become come to the gospel. Right, that's, right. That's, that's the difference we have to start thinking about. So it's really, it's kind of a combination of investing long enough to be able to actually see if they're, they're interested and then moving when, no, having the discernment to know when to be able to move on. And the thing is, is I feel like people, they have inclinations on both in an expect of the spectrum, you know, the inclination to stay at a place for way too long to be able to try to insist that these people have to, to be open right now for the, and I have to continue this. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum of saying, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to continue moving around and having initial conversations with tons of people until I find, like you said, the, the silver bullet that will suddenly just make it all happen. And so, in other words, not being able to actually be in a place long enough to be able to, to, to see if they can be, that the persons of peace will reveal themselves or come or be attracted to us. And sometimes the person of peace does pop up immediately. And that's, that's when they say, wow, this really works. But then they go to try someplace else and it doesn't happen. They say, well, what happened? What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes God has been working with some people for a long time maybe through multiple contacts and you happen to be the one that that gets to pick the fruit. But, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Johnny Appleseed never ate a single apple. He, he planted, you know, he, he was planting seeds all the time, but he never got to eat the fruit. And, and sometimes that's what it feels like when you're, when you're a church planter, you're constantly planting seeds, constantly planting seeds and you don't get to eat the fruit. And so when you do find an apple, that's really nice and juicy. You go, wow, this is great. I want to sit here and do this forever. And, and it doesn't work that way. And the, the person of peace is an incredibly hard model to follow and work it, it, because it, it doesn't give you overnight success. What Satan sometimes do gives you people that looks like it's an overnight success. And it turns out those people never become believers. That's really frustrating when that happens. You're, you invested a year or two in somebody thinking they're the right person. All of a sudden you realize, what am I doing? I've been mm. sitting here going in circles for two years. And, and this obviously isn't the person of peace yes. because a person of peace is going to transition into a spiritual walk and talk that's going to take them into new places. It's not getting there. It's not the person of peace. And those are, those are the things we have to start looking at. What, what really is a person of peace? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not someone who's nice. It's not someone who will talk with you. <laughs> it's not someone who wants your money. So he'll always come back and ask you to take his taxi again. You know, it's not someone that's that's uh, willing to have a spiritual conversation, but and because those people are willing to have the spiritual conversation, but not willing to change their mind about anything, mm-hmm. not willing to open up and study the word of God together, those kind of things. So there's lots of moving parts in the person of peace model. And it's not about finding the person who has the right response who becomes a believer overnight and brings their whole family and their whole community, their whole city and their whole nation to Christ. You just talked about in that one sentence, that was 25 years of work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not a moment. And that's, that's the point is that the person of peace is a model for one thing and one thing only. If you don't know anyone and have no relationships with anyone, you use the person of peace model. Go Absolutely. to the villages I'm about to visit. 
and find the person of peace. And when you find them, stay with them. Don't move around from place to place. Tell them that the kingdom of God is near. But if you don't find that person that wants to talk about the kingdom of God, then you move on. Mm -hmm. You move on. It's a process of winnowing what's going on in front of you to say, do I keep this or do I throw it out? Mm -hmm. Do I work with this or do I walk away from it? And and that's that people get hung up on the personal peace model because they think it, it is the tactic. This is the way we find new people to open up new places to, to see the gospel move. That's true to a certain extent, but if you already have existing relationships, you start with those. So if you have family, you start with those. I mean, you, you're starting with what you know, and when you exhaust what you know, then you become the beacon of spiritual life that people can be drawn to and the person of peace that really come to you. Because the person of peace is that person God is already working in, and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. Well, and what, when they see you in your life, they're, they're drawn to it. Absolutely. Let's, let's start there next. You know, so what are some of the myths and, and things about the person of peace? You know, how do we know that we've found a person of peace? Yeah, I do a lot of when I'm doing seminars, we do a lot of role playing about the person of peace. And and the the thing that you find out is sometimes the person of peace is the wallflower that you would have walked by and never met (laughs) because you don't talk to them. They don't talk to you, so you don't talk to them and you don't take the time to get to know people around you, regardless of their social skills. Some of my best persons of peace have had terrible social skills but they know everybody and they have lots of relationships. They have lots of friends and all their friends accept them, even though they have terrible social skills, particularly in a cross-cultural setting. And, and the reality is when we're a cultural Christian, we are cross-cultural to everyone who's not a cultural Christian. Mm-hmm. And so even when we're, so we're a cultural Christian, we meet highly spiritual devoted Christians. We often can't connect to them because that's a cross-cultural setting for us. Mm-hmm. Our again, our idea is we go to a nice church, we have nice friends there, we go out to eat every Sunday, or you know, occasionally we'll have them come over and, and babysit our kids. I mean, you got all this stuff going on, and we're calling this a nice life, but it's not a nice spiritual life. Mm-hmm. It, it's a comfortable life. Yes, you're right. And the personal peace model is not a comfortable life. It's a mm-hmm. very, very difficult life. I mean, when I when I throw someone into the deep end of the pool and say, okay, you're going to this city. It's predisposed to kill Christians. The whole city is. And your job is to find someone there spiritual that you can talk to without getting killed. Mm -hmm. That's where we're starting. And they go, oh, 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 how how do I do that? I said, you've got to learn to be conspicuously spiritual without being obnoxiously religious. Why don't you unpack that, David? What does that mean specifically? People say a lot of those terms, and they mean a lot of different things. What do you mean by that? Yeah, conspicuously spiritual people are the ones who are obedient to Christ. That's what we don't recognize. When, when we love Christ so much that our love language for him is to obey everything he said to the mm-hmm. best of our abilities and to develop lives of obedience, which, which means we're going, to be, we're going to be repenting, we're going to be confessing, we're going to be admonishing, we're going to be exhorting, we're going to be encouraging. I mean, there's so many things that go on in a spiritual life that when you get there, that people recognize there's something, something different here. 
Mm-hmm. And people are intrigued by different. Uh, sometimes they, they get into different. They say, no, I'm not interested in that. But other times they're going the other direction and going, oh, this is really interesting. It's thing, things I've wanted to have in my life and re- really didn't know I wanted to have people like this in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and you're working through all of these issues. So your, your person of peace relationships, you know, they're, they're doing this number. They're coming together and then they bounce apart. They come together bounce apart and each time they get a little closer together and they bounce you know and sometimes the closer you are the further you're going to bounce away because you you've touched a tender place in their lives so the person of peace model is a relational model in a place where you have no relationships and you got to start from scratch with people who hate you because basically if they know you're a christian missionary they're not going to talk to you mm-hmm. if they know you're a committed christian they probably don't want to talk to you either Mm-hmm. So you start at places where people will say, well, you're a Christian and you don't ever answer yes to that question. When someone says you're a Christian or are you a Christian? You say, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And, and let them tell the you what their definition helpful. is of Christian. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, I have never said yes to, are you a Christian to anyone? <laughs> they tell me what they think a Christian is. I say, nope, that's not me. And this is a, pro- a big problem that we have, even in place like America, people have a completely mm-hmm. different idea of what it means to be in Christian. And so, in fact, nine out of 10 times, the wrong idea about what it means. So the labels don't help. So, yeah. and, you know, I've, I've had, I've had uh, people live with us for months on end before they begin to realize how different we are. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they come, they, they're attracted to the, the fact that they can trust us. They can leave their stuff out and we're not going to go through it. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to be snooping and everything. And, and we're going to talk about problems when they arise. They don't let, we, we don't let ant problems grow into elephant problems. We, we take care of them early on. And, and that's the way the relationship moves. And people haven't been taught how to have these kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. And they're not normal. To say, look, uh, yeah, you hurt me, but that doesn't mean I'm kicking you out of the house. It doesn't mean we're going to walk away from each other. We get hurt, but that's normal. That's part of human relationships. We hurt each other. What's not normal is how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we fix it? And ignoring it is not a fix. Right. Ignoring it is an open wound that gets hurt easier the next time around. And so we start thinking through all these relational issues that we deal with. And most of us, maybe all of us, have so many bad habits in relationships, we don't know how to have a right kind of relationship. Mm. And part of the person of peace model is, is walking through the 77 one another passages in the Bible and saying, this is how we're supposed to relate with each other. This is, this is ground zero for all of our relationships, whether family or stranger. We want to relate this way. And you know, and talk about those things. exactly. And, and what you're talking about is, is the things with dealing with conflict, but that's also why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount was telling, like, give, setting the new bar of what it means to be kind and good to other people, saying, look, mm-hmm. you know, you think you're awesome by going a mile? Well, go to, you know, go above and beyond what is expected and, and what is culturally acceptable, even. And when it comes to being generous or kind, to other people 
And then that starts turning heads because people are like, wait a minute, who would do so, something like that? You know, and why would they go to that, that links? There's a lady in our community who wanted to figure out how to be able to help other people around her neighbors. And she says, we're going to go, I'm going to take my kids. We're going to go around, knock on doors. Say, hey, can we, can we, we're going around the neighborhood doing some cleanup. Can we pull some weeds for you? And, you know, so we're, and we'll just start and we'll have conversations. So we'll just go around and pull weeds for everybody. And I heard that and I thought that that's really great because I, if I, somebody offered to take care of, some, not just because they were angry with my particular lawn, but <laughs> they're going around offering to give people, you know, to pull weeds for them. Like who would do that? Who would want to pull weeds for other people? Why on earth would they want to do that? And that's the and, kind and of question you, you want people to think. when you start pulling someone else's weeds, they come out and join you. Exactly. And now you have a place to be able to start talking to people. And it's that kind of head-turning generosity and head-turning help that really is conspicuously spiritual, like we said, and not obnoxiously religious. And it actually really shows what is truly different about knowing God. And that's, that's part and parcel of, of being a believer is that the one and other passages we apply to strangers and all of a sudden they're saying, wow, I've never had anyone say this to me or do this with me or talk about this. And they're saying, what's different here? Why, why do we, why do we want to be in this place? And when you, and all religions are wary of other, other, other religions, other denominations, other expressions of spirituality, but very few religions have true spirituality in the sense of the one another passages. This is how we live together. And, and if we love God, we have to obey these one another passages. Mm-hmm. And so when we love God and we obey everything he tells us to do, it, it not only changes our relationship with God, it changes our relationship with all the people around us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing we need to recognize is that if the person of peace is, a, is just a tactic you're going to take off the shelf and use it, and it's not who you are, it's not going to work for you. Exactly. It's not going to work. Because if, if you're just saying, okay, this is my formula, I'm going to use this formula, chemistry doesn't happen with a formula. It just doesn't. You have chemistry to have the ingredients when for you're, it. When you're, <laughs> when you're engaging life in tough places mm-hmm. and working through things that are, that are working. I mean, some of my best friends now, we started out because of a car accident, Mm -hmm. you know, or we started out because they had a child loss and we helped them find the child or it started out, their spouse died and we, we were there to help them walk through uh, the the grief of a spouse. And all of a sudden that we became more family to them than their family. And those are, those are the things we're looking at is that it's a lifestyle. It's not a tactic Mm -hmm. that we're, we're, we know our friends, we work with our friends, but we're always open to adding more people to our circle of friendship. And, and, and if, if we're just doing the person of peace model to move the gospel, it's not going to work. The person of peace model is I'm interested in meeting people and engaging in their lives all the way to the spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And whatever that means and whatever that looks like and how much time it takes is a part part of the process. And if I'm unwilling to give into that type of environment, if I'm unwilling to live in relationship in that type of environment, if I'm just, I've 
ticked off the boxes. I've done these things now. Okay, I move on type of environment. Personal peace is not going to work for you. It definitely it's, takes it's a lot of discernment. It's, it, it's, not a, it's not a model. It is an obedience lifestyle that says, I'm going to love people more than I love myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to meet people where they're hurting. I'm going to, I'm going to engage in, in caring. I'm going to engage in conversations. I'm going to engage in being a friend they've never had before. And, and it's not because I want to see them become Christians, but because they're the creation of God and they deserve it. Right. And it gives us those opportunities to be able to start telling stories and, and be able to have that, those kind of conversations we wouldn't have had to before. And that's why a lot of people, when they're thinking about disciple making movement, they're assuming they're going to have to go outside of their current people because they're like, nobody's interested. Well, maybe we haven't lived the life like we're supposed to in order to be able to have those conversations we never thought we could be having with a lot of the people that are around us currently. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com.